0: and share Him with others. Our pastor is Dudley Rutherford, and we join him right now with his message for
1: us today. Today we begin a brand new series that I am very, very excited about. It's called Face to Face. We are going to be looking at people in the New Testament who had a face-to-face encounter with Jesus. I have a couple of underlying points before we dig into our text today. The first is that people who met Jesus, anyone who met Jesus face to face, they were never ever the same. And that's the purpose of this series is to see the change that took place anytime anybody met Jesus. And hopefully through this series. You're going to see Jesus face to face, and your life will never be the same. Secondly, meeting Jesus and knowing Jesus is the answer to all that ails this old world and all that ails your broken heart. We are looking for solutions to calm our fears. We're looking for victory over the battles we face And I believe as you see Jesus face-to-face that you're going to have victory over the battles that you're facing. Thirdly, our hope and our prayer is that through this series, face-to-face, instead of focusing on all the negative things that are happening in the world around us, you know, Peter, he took his eyes off of Jesus and he started to look at all the storms. And when he looked at the storm, And he took his eyes off Jesus, he began his life, he began to sink. We want to do just the opposite. We want you to get your eyes off of the storms, and we want you to keep your eyes firmly fixed on the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to take your Bibles, if you will, and your sermon notes, and turn to Mark chapter 2, the Gospel of Mark chapter 2. I want to speak to you on the subject, the man on the mat. Our first story centers around a man who was a paralytic. It's a familiar story, a memorable story, a story that once you hear it, you will never ever forget it. So I want you to pick up your Bible. Here we go, Mark chapter 2. Just want to read the story. The Bible says in verse 1, a few days later when Jesus again entered Capernaum. Capernaum is a little town on the northern side, the northern edge of the Sea of Galilee. And as you read through the Gospels, Jesus spent more time in his ministry, was in this town called Capernaum than any other town uh, in all of Israel. So a few days later, Jesus again entered Capernaum. The people heard that he had come home. Verse 2, so many people gathered that there was no room left, not even outside the door. And so he began to preach, and the Bible says that he preached the word to them. Verse 3, some men came bringing to him a paralytic carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus, and after digging through it, they actually lowered The mat that the paralyzed man was lying on. Verse 5. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Verse 6. Now, there were some teachers of the law. Those are religious leaders. They were sitting there, the Bible says. Not talking out loud, but they were sitting there. The Bible says that they were thinking to themselves. And verse 7 says that here's what they were thinking. Why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Why, who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately in verse 8, Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier, to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take up your mat, and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. And verse 12 reads that he got up, he took his mat, he walked out in full view of them all, And the Bible says that this amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, we have never seen anything like this. I should say so. The first thing to note, if you're taking notes, and I hope you are, write this down. Jesus has the power to heal. Jesus has the power to heal. Now, the context of Mark chapter two, whenever you read the scripture, you need to understand the overall context and the context is going to sound silly to some of you, but the context of Mark chapter two is Mark chapter one. You have to read Mark chapter one before you get to Mark chapter two, Mark chapter one, the very beginning chapter of the gospel of Mark, Jesus has just begun his earthly ministry. He has just called his first disciples. And the first thing that Jesus did, this is all in Mark chapter 1, the first thing that he did after he called his disciples is he began to heal people. First, in verse 25, he drives out an evil, uh, a man who's got an evil spirit. He drives the spirit, the evil spirit, out of the demon-possessed man. The second thing that he does, this is all in Mark chapter 1, he heals Simon's mother-in-law. She had a fever of some kind. We don't know. It could have been. We don't know. It could have been an early COVID, like COVID number one or something, COVID two or something. We don't know. The Bible just says that she had a fever. Reading Mark chapter one, verse 30, look at these words. This is verse chapter one. Simon's mother-in-law. So this is Simon's uh, wife's mother, Simon's mother-in-law. The Bible says that she was in bed with a fever. And they told Jesus about her. I said, hey, Jesus, uh, back in the back room with Simon's mother-in-law. She's back there. She's sick. She, what's wrong with her? She's got a fever. Verse 31. So Jesus, he went to her. He took her hand. He helped her up. And the Bible says that the fever left her like that. Just, it just, he just touched her hand and the fever disappeared. And the Bible says that she began to wait on them. There, there was no 14 day quarantine. All right. He just healed her and immediately she began to interact with the rest of them. Verse 32 says later that evening after sunset, the Bible says that people brought people to Jesus they brought all of the sick and all of the demon possessed came to that house for Jesus to heal and verse 34 says that Jesus healed many who had various diseases and so he cast out this is all in chapter one this is the context for chapter two he he cast out demons he he healed the hearing impaired he he cured the blind and including In verse 41 of chapter 1, he heals a man with leprosy. So by the time you get to chapter 2, when you finally get to chapter 2, even though Jesus' ministry is just getting started, and even though we don't know a lot about Jesus by the time you get to chapter 2, but one thing is well established by the time you come to chapter 2, and that is that Jesus has the power to heal. I don't know about you, but write this down. That gives me calm that gives me calm in the midst of a pandemic. Just statistically speaking, statistically speaking, we already know that 99% of you who get COVID, that you're going to be okay. Think about that. We know that the statistics prove that, that 99% of you are going to be okay. But far greater than that statistic is the supernatural ability of our heavenly father to heal you your fears are greatly exaggerated especially if you are a believer in jesus christ because you then understand that our jesus our savior our god is a god who heals amen pick up your bible and read mark chapter 1 read Mark chapter two and read those two chapters over and over and over and over and over and over over again. And then you can rest in the truth that Jesus has the power to heal. That's what I learned in Mark chapter two. The second thing, write this down, that we clearly see in this story is that you and I, we should be working together to bring people to Jesus Oh, this is one of my favorite stories in the whole Bible. It's one of my favorite stories. I heard it when I was a little kid. I've never forgotten it. It's a story about four guys. Now, some of you have heard of five guys. That's the restaurant serves hamburger. This is four guys. Four guys that were sincerely moved to do whatever was possible to bring their friend. So I guess he's the fifth guy. So this is five guys. Five guys took their name from this story. These four guys did whatever was possible to bring their friend, the fifth guy, to Jesus. Nothing, nothing could deter them from making sure that their friend, the man on the mat, had an opportunity to meet Jesus face to face. It's packed. It's crowded. It is standing room only. You can't even get in this house. It's so crowded. They're all there to hear Jesus. They're all there to meet Jesus and I happen to believe that anytime Jesus shows up, there's gonna be a crowd of people. I, I think churches would be full of people today if Jesus were truly there. All over this country, churches have been closed and they're starting to reopen. I was on a Zoom call today with about 50 different pastors, and about two thirds of them have reopened their churches. And most of them have told stories of how very few people are showing up. Some churches are having like 15%, 10%, some 20%. Most churches are empty today. And the reason they're empty is because people are afraid of the virus. And if you knew, if you knew, I don't care where it is, a house, a church, your backyard and your garage, if people, if people actually knew and believed that Jesus was there, that house would be packed right now. Your house would be full right now. If Jesus were, were there, it would be so crowded, people couldn't even get inside your house, virus or no virus. If Jesus is in the house, there's gonna be people there. And in this story in Mark chapter two, Jesus is in the house, it's crowded, and he's teaching the word of God. And here come, here come these four Guys, These four friends. And I, I always like to think that, I don't know why I just imagined this, that one of them's really tall and one of them's really short. I think one of them's really fast and one of them's just really slow. And yet these four guys are moved by the idea of getting their friend, who's the fifth guy, who's paralyzed and lying on a mat, I imagine these four guys, one tall, one short, one fast, one slow, all working together to get their friend to Jesus. And I could just hear them. One guy said, hey, man, slow down. You're going. You speed up. And one guy says, hey, you're too tall. Lower it. Lower it just a little bit. You're, you're hurting my back. If I go down there, I'm going to hurt my back. You're killing me, Smalls. You're killing me, Smalls. But I figure out that they all work together trying to get their friend to Jesus. And when they get when they finally get there, That the house is so full that they can't even get their friend inside the house so instead they go around to the side and there's some stairs and they take it it takes a lot of work it's like moving a piano almost they have to work together and uh, as they walk up those stairs you know the 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 mat starts to tilt a little bit so that they got to pick it up you know what i'm talking about you some of you've moved and they get this, this, their friend up on top of the house. And uh, the Bible says they began to dig a hole. They create a hole on top of the... the first of all, they had to set their friend down. Then they dig this hole. Then they pick their friend and they lower their friend down through that hole just so their friend can meet Jesus face to face. And all I want you to know is that this was not easy This was not normal, this was not safe, this was not OSHA approved, it was difficult, it took some hard work, but those four fellows worked together to get their friend to Jesus. Adrian Rogers concerning this text, he actually names these four guys, he's got a name for each of the four guys, I want to share them with you. One of those four guys is called Mr. Compassion. That's what he calls him, Mr. Compassion. One of those four had to have some compassion because that's what was motivating them to get their friend, their lost friend to Jesus. They had to have compassion. And if you take an honest assessment, most of our concerns are usually for our own safety Most of our worries are for our own health. Most of our concerns are for our own needs. But this man's concern was for someone who did not know Jesus. That's that's why he's called Mr. Compassion, because he wanted to get his friend to Jesus. Now, another member of this quartet, we'll call this guy number two, his name was Mr. Confidence. Confidence. Because he knew, they knew that if they could only get their friend face-to-face with Jesus, they could get their friend with a meeting with Jesus, they knew that this man on the mat could be healed. They, They knew it. They knew it. There's always people who say that this will never work. It's too hard. It's too difficult. There's too many hurdles. There's always people who don't have enough faith or too little faith. But then there are those who have great faith. There are those who say, we're fine. There are those who say, hey, God's got this. Uh, It's it's a little crowded here at the house. So what? Yes, the guy's been lame his entire life. Uh, No worries. If if we can just get him to Jesus, that Jesus will fix everything. Oh, that's that's a person of faith. And if you read this text, it's a little word. We read it earlier in verse 5. I want to show it to you. Verse 5. It says that when Jesus saw their faith, not the faith necessarily of the lame man, but the faith of the four, it says that when he saw their faith, that he said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven. I want to ask you today, where is your faith? Where is your faith in regards to your health? Where is your faith in regards to your family? Where is your faith in regards to your finances? Where is your faith in regards to the church reopening? Where is your faith in regards to your future? Where is your faith in regards to COVID-19? Where is your faith in regards to leading your friends to Jesus? Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 22, He said, I have become all things to all men so that by all possible means I might save some. Let's do whatever is necessary to lead people to Jesus. Can someone say amen? Did you know that every ministry we have is simply a means to bring people to Jesus? Just like that guy on the stretcher, that the youth ministry department is a stretcher to bring people to Jesus, that the sports ministry program here at Shepherd is just a stretcher to bring people to Jesus. That life groups is just a stretcher to bring people to Jesus. That our television and radio ministries are just a stretcher to bring people to Jesus. Our missions department is a stretcher just to bring people to Jesus. Our volunteer department, our nursery department, they're just all stretchers to bring people to to Jesus. Don't ever forget that that is why this church exists, to lead men, women, boys, and girls into a face-to-face encounter with Jesus. Be confident that if we can introduce people to Jesus, that Jesus will indeed save them. Can someone say amen? Next up, this is fellow number three. His name is Mr. Courageous. You do know that this was a pretty courageous thing to do right to go up on some roof that's not even yours to carry a, a lame man up on top of the roof to tear someone's roof up that's that's not even yours why who's going to pay for it and what if the guy falls and gets even hurt in a in a greater capacity this this is quite the spectacle i i'm sure some people laughed I, i'm sure some people complained i I'm sure some people said, well, those guys are fanatical. But one thing is for sure, those guys were courageous. Did you know that we're not going to win our world? We're not going to win our city for the Lord by living in fear, by being scared, by not risking some things, by not stepping out and taking some chances. I don't know if any of you fully grasp this. But it's going to take some courage for our church to reopen. It's going to take some courage to reopen this, going against the laws of the land. The governor has said that we're to keep it closed. The governor has said no singing. There's a chance that when we reopen that they could find us. There's a chance that they could condemn us. There's a chance... That they could turn our water off they could there's a chance they could turn the power off well there's a chance that they could jail us are you still willing to come back i decided a long time ago that when i die i'm not going to stand before governor newsom when i die i'm not going to stand before mayor garcetti When I die, I'm not going to stand before the President of the United States. When I die, I'm going to stand before Almighty God in heaven. And he's the one that I answer to. He's the one that has called the church, which the word church means in the Greek, the word ekklesia, it means the gathering of people. That's what the church is. It's a group of people who love God, who've, who've gathered together. And the laws of this country have clearly stated
0: Struggling with prejudice, brokenhearted, anxious, or depressed? God has an app for that, too. Pastor Dudley's book, God Has an App for That, is available now for a gift of any size to the Lift Up Jesus ministry. This helpful resource can be yours right now by calling our toll-free number, 888-818-4777. That number, again, is 888-818-4777. You can also get God Has an App for That on our website, liftupjesus.com. That address again is liftupjesus.com. Come and explore the book of James and discover God's user-friendly solutions for some of the biggest challenges we all face daily. Get your copy of Pastor Dudley's book, God Has an App for That, today. I'm Kyle Welch, inviting you to join us tomorrow at this same time as we again lift up Jesus with Pastor Dudley.